Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. History at the Coca-Cola 600. Kyle Busch finally gets his win at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and he left no doubt about his dominance. We have a full hour of NASCAR America to show you how he did it, what makes him so good, and why his team has complete faith in him. Somebody already had to give me the bad news and tell me it's only for 100 days, so um, that sucks. But, um, you know, certainly pretty cool tonight and uh, having the opportunity of what I've been able to do and what I've been able to accomplish. We've been talking about it here in this room for uh, a few years now, and we've come oh so close a few times, but um, was able to finally close the deal out tonight. Even after a huge win, Kyle Busch always thinking ahead. He is now one at every track, but he knows that NASCAR's newest test, the Roval at Charlotte, is not far away. So he's hoping he can check that one off the list as well. Welcome into NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One, Carol Lomano, Parker Kligerman. We have Jeff Burton along as well. Uh, Jeff, did you put Parker Kligerman in your fantasy lineup this week? You know, I thought about it, but it was, you know, it's a long race and Parker's not in, you know, really good shape. So oh, I figured he'd fall. man. Off later in the race, so I didn't. <laughs> Honestly, good I choice. I, I put myself in, I and it put didn't you work in out. The garage. I would have put you in my garage, but yeah. I I completely forgot. But oh, are thanks. you? But are yeah. you okay? Are you tired? I'm actually not. I feel surprisingly good today. I was oh. a little sore after the race, but now I woke up today and I was like, you know what? I don't feel. I don't feel it was a long race. They could do 700 miles next time. All right, let's take a look back at the highlights uh, from the race on Sunday. We'll show you how everybody did. Charlotte Motor Speedway, of course, the nightcap after a very busy day of racing for motorsports fans and for Parker Kligerman. One of the best parts of the night, though, the pre-race festivities that honored so many servicemen and servicewomen. It was a, a wonderful spectacle there before the race. Kyle Busch on the pole, and there was some action shortly after that. Austin Dillon on lap 34, last year's Coca-Cola 600 winner, you recall, got into a little bit of trouble, Parker. He got into the wall, and then a short time later, he would have some more trouble in the pits. Yeah, and a 600-mile race is not what you want to do this early in the race. I spoke to his team a little bit after the race, and they felt like, you know, he just probably made a little mistake, was trying to run that high lane. It got away from him, and then it made a very long day for them. Kevin Harvick started in the back, made his way up to fourth before trouble found him on lap 84. Yeah, had a left front tire down. That's something you don't normally see at a mile and a half type racetrack. The left front went down, got in the wall. He had made a good charge. They come from the back, running fourth, had a really good car. Some incredible saves early in stage two. Jimmy Johnson went spinning. He ended up knocking into Joey Logano, who eventually finished in 22nd. And the incredible part about this, Carolyn, is that no one really hit them. They spun out in front of the entire field. How this wasn't a 10-car pileup, I have no idea. <laughs> on lap 279, uh, Ryan Blaney's night would end. His car caught fire, a whole lot of fire. Fortunately, Jeff, he was able to safely get out of his Ford, but this was dicey. Yeah, it was. It started to blow up really early in the race. We heard it come by uh, by me on the front straightaway. It wasn't running correctly, and then eventually it just ate itself to death. The man to beat all night, though, Parker, as you know, Kyle Busch, cruised to a dominant victory. He led all but 23 laps in the race. Absolutely incredible. His car was just amazing. Watch him go by me at times when he's lapping us. 
was uh, almost disheartening because I felt like he had a full one car compared to what we were all racing. That'll in break cars. the old spirit. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, Kyle Busch owning the night though at Charlotte Motor Speedway. He led 377 of the race's 400 laps. He led at the end of each stage. He also became the first full-time cup driver to win every single track that a driver has competed on. And after the race, our Dave Burns spoke with a jubilant Kyle Busch in victory lane. Well, for a driver who likes checking off boxes and collecting trophies, this was a big one. Kyle, can you even believe it finally happened? <laughs> uh, it's starting to sink in. You know, this is uh, certainly amazing. And uh, for what this weekend stands for, first and foremost, with uh, our men and women and those that have fallen and those that are still fighting for us today, it's it's certainly rewarding and such an honor to be able to race tonight and uh, and have a crowd as such as we had tonight. So that was fun. But our M&M's Camry was fast. It was uh, it was really, really quick. Adam and the boys did an amazing job for me, being able to give me a fast piece. And we kept it up front all night long. The guys on pit road did an amazing job with pit stops, and we were able to uh, just lead as many laps as we possibly could. But, um, you know, we brought it home tonight. That's all that counts. It was dominant, and you kind of set that up on Thursday night with the pole run. Did you sort of feel it coming? Uh, a little bit, not a whole lot. You know, I mean, you can qualify on the pole, and then you can throw it away in the first few laps, you know. So... Um, we obviously had a really fast car. We just had to bite our time early. You know, Logano took the lead there and then um, was kind of driving away just a little bit. But overall, you know, I knew that our car was really good in the long runs especially, and that's the way we kind of have been here the last few years. And it just seemed like after the, uh, I don't know, 30 laps or so, that's kind of when we really came to life. Speaking of almost throwing it away, the final green flag pit stop. Uh, pit road entry, a little dicey? Uh, not that I recall. I thought everything was okay. I thought you sort of missed pit road, or were you trying to get in the lap before? There was some speculation on that. Um, no, I was told come this time, and I was like, finally. I was just wait. I was waiting for the call. Um, there was some. There was some lap traffic. There was some dicey moments where guys were coming out and they had tires and they were kind of racing around us, and I was losing the nose an awful lot in the car and um, really fighting some handling characteristics when those guys were all grouped up right there racing around us, and then finally. I could get to pit road, and um, you know we then came off of pit road, and we got a gap, and uh, we were back in clean air, so it kind of helped us. The pit crew was stellar tonight. Do you ever come down for that last one, whether it's under yellow or green, and just wonder if it's going to go away? I mean, they nailed it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you do, but uh, this group of guys here this year have been phenomenal. They've been really, really good, and uh, they haven't slipped up much, you know, so they've actually got us a few wins, and tonight I think they got us another one. You know, we had that time off of pit road earlier tonight when – when Denny was right there, right next to us, he almost beat us off pit road, but uh, we, we barely got it because of our pit selection with being able to win the pole on Thursday night. So that saved us our race right there and being able to stay in control of the race. Cal, tell me how this rings to you. Only full-time cup driver to have won on every track on which he's competed. It feels really, really good. I just I don't know what everybody's going to say in about 100 days when we come back here in the fall and it's a new racetrack, I guess, you know. So um, it's going to be short-lived, but, um, you know, we'll take it. I, somebody already gave me that bad news, so that's why I'm already pessimistic about it. But, no, I mean, it, it's something that you dream about when you're a kid to just show that everybody that, uh, that you're one of the best and to be able to go out there and win at every single racetrack kind of proves that. And um, now there's only one crown jewel left, the Daytona 500, and then everything after this is just icing on the cake. Incredible night for Kyle Busch. And you mentioned this just a couple minutes ago, Parker, but because you were in the race, we really want you to take us inside. Explain how fast the 18 was. Well, it was incredibly fast. Obviously, that's no news to anyone that watched the race. But, you know, what was astonishing about that 18 car was that he could make speed on the bottom throughout a run. A lot of cars I watched and as I raced, 
you couldn't do. And it, because of that traction compound up in the higher lanes, you saw a lot of cars running the middle, running the top, especially as the tires wore out. That's where you were making speed. But that 18, he'd go by me sometimes, laughing me, of course, and <laughs> you would see him down on the bottom at times and just driving away from eight cars around him. And the funniest thing was that when he would lap you, it might be 10 laps later that you would find second place would come by. And therefore, you just realize he had a massive lead on the field. And it was just incredible the speed he was bringing throughout the entire run. I mean, those are the types of times as a race car driver, when you have a car like that, you are thinking, all right, how do I not mess this up, right? Because you are in such another league, especially at the top level, being in the Cup Series doing that. So he was obviously very motivated, and it worked out for him. Jeff, what specifically stood out to you about how he was running? Well, for me, it was in the last stage. I mean, he had dominated the race. We knew he had a fast race car. But at one point uh, before the last pit stop, Martin Truex Jr. started to make a little bit of ground on him. And, and I thought, okay, here comes the charge from Martin Truex Jr. And I think that pit stops started to come, and you always want to give as much gap as you can before pit stops. And what was a three-second, three-and-a-half-second lead quickly turned into about an eight-second lead. Uh, I, I thought that was crazy how Kyle Busch just drove completely away from Martin Truex Jr. on a mile and a half racetrack. You think about Martin Truex Jr. dominated this race much like Kyle did, you know, a few years ago. So that to me, once he started putting three tenths, four tenths a lap on Martin Truex Jr., who was a second place car, I'm like, this deal is over. If, <laughs> if, if nothing happens, Kyle Busch will just drive away from everybody. Jeff, you know what's amazing about that? I was just thinking of is that the way the tires were falling off in the in that race and how much tire fall we were having, think about what he was doing there at the end of that run to be that much faster than Martin Truex Jr. I mean, was he, do you think he was saving the tires or, or biding his time a little bit? I mean, that's, that's incredible because I just know from last night, my experience was that when you got late in a run towards the end of pit stop, it was all you could do to keep pace with cars around you as other cars run newer tires, you were running in traffic. So, I mean, that's incredible that he found that extra bit of speed at late in a run. Well, and, you know, I don't think his car was handling perfectly either. You heard him... You know, Dave Burns asking the question, hey, you had trouble getting on pit road, and it looked like that. He got so tight coming off turn four uh, the lap before he pitted because he was in traffic. He slowed way down, and uh, on TV it was a comment made he was trying to make pit road. It's just that his car wasn't handling that well uh, in traffic, and Kyle alluded to that in his interview that he was losing the front end really bad around other cars. So while he's doing that, he's putting three-tenths a lap on the field. <laughs> and, 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 Parker, you know... If somebody said to you, you're going to be three-tenths a lap faster than the guy running second, you would say, there's no way. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And, but that's what he was doing, and uh, they just completely dominated. It, it, they never, in my eyes, they never gave hope to anybody. Like, there was never a time where you said, okay, yeah, we might have it, with the exception of Truex, on that one run, early part of the run, with the exception of that, they never gave anybody any hope. And you know what? I was right behind him when he had that issue where they thought he was pitting. I thought he was pitting as well because he was lowered. He actually had put his hand out the window a little bit. It's normally the signal that says, I'm pitting, that sort of thing. And then it was just that he got very tight, and then the next lap he pitted. So it looked like he missed it. But, yeah, that's incredible to think that he was even fighting some of the issues we were fighting and all the other cars in the race, but he was doing it three to four tenths faster. I just, my mind's Park, blown. Parker, Park, you know what I've learned since I got out of the seat and, I, and now I listen and watch? is all the drivers complain about the same thing. Yeah. It's just some cars make more grip than the other cars. And so everybody's too tight. Everybody's just lo too loose. But one car makes overall more grip than the next car. But it's, it's crazy how all the drivers deal with the same thing. It's just not the same 
magnitude from one car to another. It's actually funny you bring that up because in the pre-race, I was speaking to uh, Kevin Harvick and AJ Allmendinger, and we were joking about that exact thing, which is he, Kevin was telling us about something he was fighting in his car, and AJ goes, yeah, that's fine, man. You're just doing it about five-tenths faster than me. So I, I don't think we're having the same issue. <laughs> Jeff, when Dave brought up uh, what happened on pit road with Kyle Busch or what he thought he saw, Kyle was really quick to praise his pit crew. And you've likened what a pit crew does to what special teams players do in the NFL um, to us when you've been speaking to us and how important it is, that role. Um, Explain what you mean by that for everybody at home. Well, when, when you're a fan of football and your field goal kicker goes on the field, you just assume he's going to make it, unless it's a really long field goal. And, and in that, but other than that, uh, you only notice them when they don't make the field goal, right? Like, if, if he just does what he's supposed to do, then it's no big deal. This pit crew, they did everything perfectly. They did it all just like they needed to do. And it seemed like it was clockwork. It seemed like it was easy, but it's not. And And... I, I do liken them to, to special teams. They sit and they wait and they wait and they wait, and then they are such a key component to winning races or losing races at pivotal times in the event. So, uh, you know, how many times has a, a team had a chance to win a football game, uh, win a Super Bowl, and miss a field goal or make a field goal? And the same thing happens here with, with pit crews. And I think that the mentality of a pit crew member is very much like that of a, of a field goal kicker. Jeff, I love that analogy. Real quick, have you ever tried to do a pit stop before? Like, actually, got, gotten to do it and actually take the lugs off or anything? Only, only at late model races when there's when you can't get a lap down. <laughs> got it. Well, <laughs> I'm just thinking, I was thinking one time I got to actually do that back when I was at Penske and did it with the uh, practicing with the pit crew and everything. And it's so incredible, even when you have no pressure at all how hard it was to just stick to what your mindset was of hitting five lug nuts, then switching the gun and doing it again. And you can actually do it at NASCAR Hall of Fame, like a version of that. And it's funny, you'll make mistakes when there's no pressure. Now think about what he's <laughs> describing where when the car comes down, they could have been sitting around for 100 laps or 50 laps, you know, and just sitting, chilling, and then suddenly it's, all right, you need to be perfect. Oh, it's a great point. So tough. No, so hard to just jump right back in and execute perfectly down to a second. Um, while we're talking about the pit crew, let's go to our social pit stop. Let's start with Kyle Busch sharing victory lane and a really nice moment with his family. Watch this. Come here, buddy. Daddy. Yeah. Daddy. We won. We won. Really, really sweet moment with the Bush family and their son, Brexton, who is thrilled that their dad managed to end the day with a win. After that emotion, the focus at Joe Gibbs Racing shifted to a hockey game that you may know about that takes place tonight in Las Vegas. My hometown of Las Vegas finally has a team of their own. And guess what? It sure didn't take them long to make it to the championship. Maybe we should put a little friendly wager on this series. What do you say? If Vegas wins, hmm. You make a donation to the Bundle of Joy Fund. How about that? Sounds good. If the Caps win, Kyle makes a donation to Youth for Tomorrow. And Kyle's got plenty of this. One more thing. Let's go Caps. Go Vegas, go. Come on, Golden Knights. Bring this trophy home. I love a little wager yeah. before the Stanley Joe, Cup nobody final. has a lot of money. <laughs> he does got his checks. All right, we're going to see who wins that bet as the Golden Knights host game one of the Stanley Cup final against Alex Ovechkin and the Caps. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. Eastern with NHL Live right here on NBCSN before it switches over to NBC at 8 p.m. Eastern. Over the next hour, we are going to go through the Coke 600 field, which includes seven-time champ Jimmy Johnson. Should his top five finish give his fans new hope for the season. Plus, you could say the Indy 500 was a test 
of willpower. I went there. We're going to hear from the Australian on how he racked up another indie win for Team Penske and more of that priceless <laughs> reaction. Incredible. And then on this Memorial Day, we're going to show you the best from our Mission 600 series where NASCAR drivers teamed up with the men and women of our armed forces. So proud to be out here hanging out with these guys. That's cool. Getting to see how they work every day. <laughs> All right. There it is. You might feel that a little bit tomorrow. A little bit. I got beef stew. Oh, Lord. No. Line of the water. Go. Air salt. There you go. Hi. Air salt. There you go. Me, this is a tremendous opportunity to get to see our nation's heroes. I always jump at the chance to say thank you to our military. We do have the best country in the world. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Two main reasons for Memorial Day weekend is it's the stage for motorsports to stand on. And number two is the Memorial Day aspect of symbolizing what our military has gone through. A huge racing weekend, but that's not why it's special. It's special because it's a chance for us to honor uh, the men and women that served for our country. It gives us a chance to remember why we're actually here, and, and it's all of our troops from the past, what we have the present, and all the troops we're going to have in the future for them fighting for our freedom, for allowing us to go out and do what we love to do. Any race weekend where we can pay tribute to the, the ones that made the, you know, made the ultimate sacrifice for defending our freedom is, uh, is an incredible weekend. So that's, uh, those are the most special ones to us. All the troops at the racetrack, just seeing them on the grid pre-race and, and the ceremonies and, and the giant flag rolled out in the infield. I mean, it gives you chills. It gives you that feeling. Just an unbelievable night. Taking a moment and recognizing everyone that, that enables us to do what we do every weekend. Now that's what makes it such a big weekend. All the sacrifices that have been made and all the men and women that we've lost at battle, it's a time to reflect and say thanks. A great reminder there of what this day, Memorial Day, truly means. And leading up to the Coca-Cola 600, a selected group of NASCAR drivers took part in Mission 600. It's an initiative from Charlotte Motor Speedway and the Department of Defense. And the drivers visited with both men and women who serve in all five branches of our armed forces. Here's a look back at their experiences. Well, anytime we can come out and hang out with our military men and women, uh, you know, I'm a huge supporter of our military. It's what allows me to go race on the weekends. Hello, hello. Good morning. Good. How are you guys? Okay. All right. Perfect. Let's do it. Perfect. Hey, that's a great fit on you. Right here. So this is passed in a handshake. All right. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. There's a lot of times in the military where you volunteer for something you don't even know what you're getting into but you do it because it comes from within your heart. To be able to just say thank you is why I'm here. Just so proud to be out here hanging out with these guys. That's cool. Getting to see how they work every day. Push it forward. Cool day, really special day. Anytime we come here to give back uh, to the military and uh, to see what they go through. Give, give a couple you know, hours of my time to see you know their everyday life is, is truly special. A little bit. To have the access, I couldn't believe it. Charlotte Motor Speedway pulled some strings. I got beef stew. 
chef Boyardee is. Right around. But we both agreed it, this is very similar to what you'd eat in college. Really interesting to see everything that goes into it. Oh, Lord. No. Line of the water. I like mountains. Air salt. There you go. We had a blast repelling down the rappel wall. For me, this is a tremendous opportunity to get to see our nation's heroes. This is essentially what the flight deck would look like with a full squad. We gotta set up security, we gotta set up our communications. So we just trekked through by the edge, which is vegetation. What the Army does is unbelievable. I definitely played a little Army going up, played paintball, loved, loved the outdoors, so uh, this is special for me. I wonder if the crew out there knows we're going to be coming out here shooting. I don't think I killed anyone or was even targeted or anyone, but it was awesome. This is intense. This was, this was quite the experience. You know, I get a lot of credit as being a race car driver, but what they're willing to do is just on a whole nother level, the, the risk and the commitment that they have. I've always been so impressed. My whole life, I've always thought it would be the coolest experience to, to get to see what you guys go through training-wise. And so when this opportunity came up, I was like, yes, 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 yes. It's an honor to have had the chance to come out here today. And I always jump at the chance to say thank you to our military. When they do the, the gun salute, it, it just sends chills down my spine. We do have the best country in the world. We want to thank all the drivers who participated in Mission 600, along with the men and women who serve our country. Today, of course, we honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice in defending our freedom, and a thank you for that will never be enough. And, Parker, we saw you accompany Kurt Busch on his mission. What an incredible experience for you. It was absolutely awesome, and uh, it was a boyhood dream come true, getting out there and being able to do some of the training. But, you know, I think the point that Kurt made and so many of them made there, which is to say thanks to the men and women of our armed forces. And one of the best ways you can do that is to really understand what they go through, right? And I think we've all seen the movies. We think we understand what they go through, but we got the chance to go see it firsthand and experience it. And it just gives you a whole new respect for what they do. And especially uh, the group we were with, they're some of the, the people that go to these foreign places first. And they're the first on the ground. They have to be so secretive in things. And you just think they have, are so brave to do what they do. And so I had a blast. It was a great time. And thank you to all the men and women of our armed forces for inviting us out there. Yeah, very well said. And one of the best parts of the Coke 600, of course, is how much time is spent honoring the military. Last night was no exception to that. When we come back, we are going to highlight some of the more memorable performances on the track when we go through the field. Stay with us. We're coming back on NASCAR America. I put a lot of emphasis on this race, a lot of pressure on this race, especially being here in Charlotte. This has always been one of my favorite tracks. I've always thought I've run well here. I just haven't been able to score the win here. The Coke 600 is such a unique race. It's very hard on the equipment. It's hard on the guys. So you got to make sure your people are prepped first and foremost, be at their best uh, all weekend long. Tonight was a pretty perfect night for us all around. The car was perfect. I felt like I did a really good job behind the wheel. I felt like my pit crew did an amazing job. Communication with Adam was really spot on. Sometimes you just have all the stars align, and tonight was one of those nights. Anything that's important to KB is important to me, and I don't take my part in his legacy lightly. You know, he's a future Hall of Famer and a one-of-a-kind talent, uh, and we may never see another Kyle Busch. 
Last night, Kyle Busch passed Hall of Famer Buck Baker on the all-time wins list. Busch now sits alone in 15th place. His next win will tie another member of the Hall, Herb Thomas, and he's now three victories away from joining the elite 50-win club. But let's hear from some other drivers on last night's action as we go through the field. Our M&M's Camry was fast. It was uh, it was really, really quick. Adam and the boys did an amazing job for me, being able to give me a fast piece. I don't think anybody had anything for the 18, man. He was stout. Kyle's so good at this racetrack. I mean, he's someone that I look at data-wise. Every time I come here to try to figure out what he does, that's so exceptional. I don't think any of the, the Penske cars were close enough to, to really win honest today. 15 or 20 times, I about lost it on my own, you know? I mean, that's just how difficult it was, and we had the second-best car all night, I felt like. That sucks. You know, I don't want to run fifth. I want to win. <laughs> when you get exceptional driver that has a car that's handling as well as what his look like, it was handling you're gonna have dominating nights like this props to the 18 guys they uh they had had a hell of a night perfect night like we did a few years back but uh, we still got the miles led award most all time so i'm glad that stayed intact something that you dream about when you're a kid to just show that everybody that uh that you're one of the best and to be able to go out there and win at every single racetrack kind of proves that and um, now there's only one crown jewel left the daytona 500 and then everything after this is just icing on the cake at the end of the day we uh we kind of overachieved with our finish which is what you always hope to do as a team but uh, I thought we'd have a little more speed than we did today. Look at the adversity we overcame tonight with a spin we had a jack break on a stop um, very solid performance you know through the entire night to overcome all those things we made the car really drivable really racy to where I could work traffic make passes make stuff happen on restarts so very thankful for all the hard work Hendrick Motorsports has been putting into it we just got to work harder and uh, promise you we're, we're going to work harder and we'll get there. So, Jeff, that was Jimmy Johnson's second top five of the year, which you would say only his second top five of the year. But in listening to him after the race, he wants more than that, and it seems like they feel like they have the potential to get there. Well, when you're a seven-time champion, two top fives is not going to cut it. And when you, you know, when you go to Charlotte, a place where for years Jimmy Johnson dominated to finish fifth, that's not going to be good enough. But I think there were signs of life on Sunday, and I think that's important. I said – over a month ago, they weren't going to jump out of this hole. They're going to have to climb out of it. It's going to take time. What I saw from Jimmy Johnson at 48 team is exactly what he mentioned, is that they were able to overcome adversity, which means they had enough speed. They had a problem on pit road. They had the contact with he and Denny Hamlin where he ended up spinning and had to go to the back. So all those things, when you have a, a, a car that's not running fast enough, you typically can't overcome them. On this night, they were able to overcome them, and I think that's a huge step forward for the 48 car. Another driver who really stood out, Parker, is Jamie McMurray, finishing in seventh place last night. What were your thoughts on his performance, from what you could tell? Well, he had a really tough start to this season, and self-admittedly said, you know, it's one of the toughest starts he's probably had in a long time. And then, you know, as we've gotten further in the season, I've, I've been looking for something out of this one car to go up there and maybe be similar to his teammate. And I remember his run here in October last year. He had a great run, and this run reminded me of that. He was up next to the wall. He was running right near it a lot of times when I was running around him and, and scraping at times. He was finding a lot of speed in the high lane. And I don't always think of Jay McMurray doing that. So I, maybe he learned some things from his teammate Kyle Larson in that, that category. But I think this was a really important run for the one car because they really need to get this season moving forward. If he wants to be a factor for the playoffs in any way, shape, or form, he's got to start putting finishes like this together and possibly go out there and find a way to win because it's really looking – this points situation that they're in they have to find a win so they need runs like this yeah and Parker I thought I think too what was big about last night was that he was able to keep Kyle Larson his teammate behind him for a lot of laps he got in front of got in front of him and Kyle couldn't get back by him and that's something that uh, when you're a part of a multi-car team and one team is doing better than the other consistently 
at some point, you've got to find a way to step it up as a team, a driver, everybody involved. And on that night, they were able to stay in front of Kyle Larson for a great deal of, of the race. And I thought that was a huge step. Jeff, I know Denny Hamlin stood out to you. He has not been able to find victory lane so far this year, but he did match his season best finish with a third place run last night. Well, what impressed me about Denny was that, and I've noticed this from Denny, even, you know, we get on him about his speed on pit road and those kind of things, but when Denny gets in the back, he does a great job of getting himself back to the front. And last night, I, I was really impressed at the speed this 11 car had. Uh, they went to the back, and he drove up through the field uh, with a lot of pace. And I, I, that just, to me, that was a sign that this 11 car is building more speed. They haven't had the speed, you know, to, to really go out and contend uh, consistently to win rim races. But last night, it looked like to me they had that speed. Nobody was going to touch Kyle Busch. But, but, you know, if you took, if Kyle had some kind of problem and get the late restart, I think Denny Hamlin could have had enough speed to, to make some noise. We can't talk about the field without talking about your day. Oh, wait. I was in that race? Yeah. No way. How'd hey, I'm even on the big screen. Look at that. Well, you love being on the big screen. Uh, you know, it's kind of nice to do that. But hey, oh, oh they, they showed this? I didn't know this was actually on the TV. So I got the wall a little bit there. That, that, <laughs> that was unfortunate. I was trying to make speed up next to the wall. I was actually finding speed pretty early up there. But uh, we had a, a, an overall solid day. It wasn't pretty for us on the Gaunt Brothers Racing Toyota. We, you know, this is their first mile and a half for this team, only their seventh race ever. And I felt like we were really hoping to have a top 25 day, maybe even show some speed towards the top 20. And after qualifying practice, I really thought we would. And we got in the race and we just had a couple things not go our way. We had some brake issues where I drove maybe most of the race without brakes, which was pretty interesting, over 200 miles an hour at times. But, um, you know, we, we just sort of grinded it out and ended up getting a 27th place finish, which was kind of our goal. We, we wanted to be top 25, but we weren't able to make it happen. But I'm going to tell you, Cup is the most competitive series in the world hands down. I mean, I cannot explain. It doesn't matter if you're racing for 30th or first. You are in some of the toughest, hardest battles you'll ever be in in your entire life, and you have to be absolutely perfect. Every time that car's on the racetrack, every corner, every move you make must be perfect. Otherwise, someone will take advantage of your mistake. Jeff, and it doesn't matter where you're racing. Jeff, the difference between 25th and 27th is like Parker's I mean, explaining, is so massive, which is such a testament to the job that this entire field does week in and week out, Parker included. Well, I, you know, I know you may be sitting at home thinking, well, 27th isn't very good. But when you take a team, uh, that's their first mile and a half, uh, seventh race all the time. I, I, listen, that was a really, really good night and a good weekend. You guys qualified well, Parker. Uh, you raced well. And, and Parker's right. I mean, Unless you've driven one of these race cars and raced somebody for 25th, 23rd, 22nd, you know, the focus is always in the front. But in many cases, the intensity is in the back. It's harder back there than it is in the front. I know people don't understand that, but trust me, I've been in both places, and, and back there is very difficult. But, but uh, Parker and his team should, should hang their heads high today because, I mean, honestly, uh, that is a really, really good first mile and a half shot at it. Really good. It's a conversation. Jeff, thank yeah, you. of course. The tip of the hat from Jeff Burton on Memorial Day, not hey, bad. I'll take it. It's definitely a conversation that warrants further discussion because it's interesting back there, and you bring up a lot of great points. So, if you are interested in this tomorrow show, we're going to go a little bit deeper on what definitely. was happening behind the leaders. Um, meantime, though, the Indy 500 this weekend. Come on, that's about as American as apple pie. But at the end of Sunday's race, it was an Australian drinking milk in victory lane. We're going to look back at an emotional day for Will Power when NASCAR America returns. I've never screamed so much. I've <laughs> totally come down off the high now, but um, 
just an amazing feeling, an amazing event. And you know, when you look at the people around there and you get to do a victory lap with that many people cheering you on, it's uh, yeah, surreal. Everybody, if you've been watching us, you know that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is the newest member of the NBC NASCAR broadcast team. New view, but the same Dale. He gets going July 1st from Chicagoland, and Jr. and the rest of the NASCAR on NBC crew took a couple practice laps last night at Charlotte. So I see Steve Letarte there, Rick Allen. I know those men. And is that is that Jeb's uncle <laughs> there in the middle? Instagram account. Jeff, do you not have a, an, an Instagram handle or is that just early jabbing from the newest member of the broadcast team? <laughs> Payback's hell, Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better be careful. We are just getting started. Yeah. No, it's great to have him. Um, I'm glad you were there because you've offered such great insight on the show and I know that it's only going to get better from here. Let's go to the brickyard, though. Let's leave Charlotte for a minute and discuss what we have uh, saw on Sunday, the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500, of course. Beautiful day out there and a crowd of around 300,000 on hand, looking good, nice and packed for the greatest spectacle in racing, along with one Avenger, Chris Hemsworth, a.k.a. Thor. More on him later, but Danica Patrick's final race of her career ended with a crash in turn two at lap 68. Parker, I know this is not the way that she wanted to end things. Absolutely not. It was a self-spin. And you know, the tough thing about those cars is that there's just no room for error. If they get any bit sideways at all, you can lose it so quick. Another big name fell at lap 146. This is Elio Castroneves losing it off turn four, Jeff. Yeah, and he was he was talking after the wreck. He didn't know if he was going to come back to the Indy 500 or not. It means so much to him. He could make history winning another one. And he did announce on Twitter he was coming back, so that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. This right here was really where you knew what was going to happen at the end of the race. Five to go, Stefan Wilson, Jack Harvey pitting for fuel, and then that opened the door for willpower. Yeah, they were so close. They needed one more caution lap for those two to maybe make it, but it was not to be. It was willpower's day, and as they like to say, Indianapolis picks its winner, and it picked willpower. And an incredible moment with wife Liz. After celebrating, he spoke with our Kevin Lee. Willpower has been pretty open about what it would mean to win the Indianapolis 500. You've dreamt it. What is reality like? I can't tell you the feeling of coming to the yard of bricks, the checkered flag. Uh, I've never screamed so much. I've <laughs> totally come down off the high now, but um, just an amazing feeling, an amazing event. And you know, when you look at the people around there and you get to do a victory lap with that many people cheering you on, it's, uh, it's just it's a load off my shoulders as well. I mean... Um, to win Roger another 500, um, yeah, surreal. Restart, seven laps to go, your fourth, different fuel strategies. What are you thinking at that point? Well, I, I didn't know whether yellow saved them enough fuel to make it, so I was very aggressive, and I got past Oriole, and I had tried to get, um, I think it was Jack uh, Harvey, um, and was struggling to get him, a couple of big pushes off, uh, off the corner and having the lift, but... Um, then they pitted very early. They obviously were, had no chance of, of making it. And as soon as that happened, it was we had a great car out front, very good car was uh, really well balanced. And I, at that point, I'm like, I have a very good shot at winning this. Kind of pulling away from Ed a bit, and uh, yeah, yeah, I was screaming on my white flag lap. <laughs> Almost record heat, new arrow kit. We saw some veterans crashing out like Kanan and Castro Neves. How challenging was this race? What was it like? Yeah, it was uh, definitely a, a, a low grip situation. Really, uh, you're rarely wide open. Um, you know, having to drive the cars, it's quite difficult, very difficult. 
conditions. But you know, I worked on my car all day, um, very you know vigilant with the, the tools in the car to make sure that the balance didn't go too far one way. And we ended up in a really good window, had really good pit stops in and out laps because that track position counted. And uh, yeah, just. When you do everything right, that's when you have the best chance of winning races, and that's what we did today. You were already in the top ten in the championship uh, in, in all-time wins. You have done just about everything now that you've got a 500. Not that your career is complete or yeah. done, but is it complete? Well, it's definitely the last box I needed to tick. Um, I kept saying it and working on it and wanting to win it, and it's happened now. So. Um, yeah, to have a championship and an Indy 500 and IndyCar, that's, uh, you know, you've completed everything you need to do. And now it's just about winning races and championships and, you know, I'm, still, I'm not done. I've still got plenty to go. Congratulations. Enjoy. Thank you so much. Will Power wins the 17th Indianapolis 500 for Roger Penske. He's also won more IndyCar races than any other driver for the captain. And I'm sure Australians around the world are very proud of Will Power, including the aforementioned Chris Hemsworth. He waved the green flag at the Indy 500 and posted this video of how he prepared for the big moment. So, Parker, when you put your sunglasses on before a race on Sunday and you're giving us these, like, really steely yeah. looks, that's what you think you look like well, and prepare for? The only thing is he had that quote there where the flag waves you. You don't want the car driving you. That, that's a bad situation. When the car drives you, you've probably got an issue going on where you're going to end up in the wall because cars don't like to do anything, really. I respect you anybody, Jeff, that takes their job that seriously. Well, he, he didn't do it right, though. It's with the wrist. Like, you wave the flag with your wrist, not oh. with your elbow. Oh. Like, you got to, you know, like oh, you watch a good like flag a when it's all the wrist. Can we Brexit's break this down, wrist. actually, real quick? No, we just not. get into yes. the actual no, motion of what he would want no, there? No, we cannot. Uh, by the way, Daniel Ricciardo uh, won the, um, in the Formula One as well, so you have to mention him in the Aussie shout-out. Uh, coming up on the show, back to NASCAR, though. Trouble on pit road, keeping Eric Jones from contending for the win in Sunday's Coke 600. How close is he to a breakthrough? We're going to hit on Eric Jones when we come back. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. We're Penn and Teller. What do you get when the Vegas Golden Knights meet the Washington Capitals in the Stanley Cup Final? Magic, baby. Vegas now has everything. Uh, sorry, Stanley, it's a it's two-man act. Vegas icons, Penn and Teller, ready for the Stanley Cup Final. Our coverage starts next, so just a couple minutes away. Make sure you stay with us for that, and then switch over to NBC at 8. In the meantime... Las Vegas' own Kyle Busch securing his first Cup Series win at Charlotte in last night's Coke 600. Let's get you caught up on the race to Miami while we're talking about 
Bush. In addition to getting the victory, he now has 25 playoff points, one more than Kevin Harvick. Eric Jones, who turns 22 on Wednesday, was running second late in the race before a pit road penalty led to a 19th place finish. He is currently 18 points above the cut line. Team owner Joe Gibbs speaking about his rising star after the race. I felt so, I felt so sorry for for him, and I went down and found him on pit road. And I tell you, that young guy is uh, I think he's like we just think so much of him. Toyota, all of us that's worked with him. I think tonight he showed the talent he has. I felt we had three very unusual things happen on pit road, and it just destroyed his night. And I hate it. Uh, he was up there, and I felt like he was very fast. And of course, in last practice, P1 in last practice. And the good thing about it is we we just feel like he's got a great future. All of us are devoted to getting all the things around him to help him and so it was just an extremely tough night for him well I, I really felt bad for him great insight there Jeff from Joe Gibbs do you agree I do I I, I had Eric Jones in my fantasy league for a reason I, I thought he was going to have a good night um, you know and he just had one of those nights that you know they ran well they had good speed but nothing else worked out for them uh, so you're going to have those you have to remember uh, in the future, there'll be a race that you win that you maybe didn't deserve to win. Uh, these things seem to work out, but when you're in the midst of the bad part, it's hard to see it. And and uh, but but with speed, as I said earlier, everything can be fixed. And the speed they had last night uh, was very very good, and they're going to be fine. And and they just got to not overreact and just continue the grind and take those bad days and take the good from them and then move on. All right, we'll keep the conversation on Joe Gibbs Racing going when we come back. Coming up, the coach is going to offer his take on what makes Kyle Busch so special on the track. Stay with us for that. Catherine Tappan in Las Vegas coming up at the top of the hour. It's NHL Live from the Stanley Cup Final. Game one between the Capitals and the Golden Knights. Two-hour pregame right here on NBCSN. And then game coverage on NBC at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. For now, back to NASCAR America. Jeff Cordero, rear tire changer on the number 18 Toyota Camry. Tonight was a really good night. We had a really good night on pit road. Kyle just got out front and we kept him out there and had a smooth sailing. It's pretty uneventful, but it's kind of the way we like to do it. So it's really nice to get Kyle the last win and knock off that last track he needed. This was actually Jeff Cordero's second straight Coke 600 victory. He was a member of Austin Dillon's pit crew last season. Special pit crew, special driver. Following the race, Joe Gibbs reflected on what makes Kyle Busch the driver he is today. You see football players, and I've had some that are real easy during the week, jovial, and when they put the helmet on, it's big time. They're going for it, and those are the kind of guys you want. And I, I think Kyle has that. I think uh, I don't know that I've ever seen him um, uh, when it's race day uh, to back off some. He's always after it. Uh, he's always aggressive. Um and he carries that emotion with him. So some people are just special when it comes to game day. And I, I think Kyle's one of those. 
You both have spent a lot of time around Kyle Busch, Jeff. That is a sense that everybody gets. You know, you can say what you want about him, but when everything is on the line, there is not a better professional that's, that is more well-equipped to succeed. Well, there's all different personalities in the world, and, and what Kyle Busch has that many don't have is, number one, he has the ability, and then he has the intensity level and the ability to harness his emotions at the right time. I mean, we've all lost it from time to time, and so has Kyle. But if you really think about Kyle, uh, he is a really, really good race car driver, and he executes at the right time. You put him in a position uh, to win, he's going to normally execute on that. And that's, that's hard to do. A lot of people can make good lap time managing a race, stepping up at the right moments, understanding when it's time to go, when it's time to wait. All those things are very difficult to do. It's not just about who can go around the racetrack the fastest. And Kyle can do all those things exceptionally well. Jeff, well said. And you know, one thing that always sticks out to me about Kyle and some of the, the best drivers that we see and, and some of the things that maybe fans get frustrated with him about, and that is that he has an incredible de desire to win. You, there's no one that enters these races that wants to win more. And I, I truly believe that there's almost a burning fire in his stomach at times about the fact that he wants to win so badly. And I think that's why sometimes he comes across as brash or unattentive at times when he's so focused on what he's trying to do, and that is win and be the fastest and be the best and be and elevate his game continually. And I, I just think any time I've spent with him, it always amazes me the focus he has on one singular goal, and that's winning. That's all that matters. And I don't, I don't know many drivers that can that have that singular goal. A lot can separate themselves. A lot can focus on other things, but you never see that at Kyle. It's always one thing, and that's winning. It seems like he already has his sight sets on the Roval in October. Yeah. Do you think, uh, given everything that you both have said about him, that that's something that could very well be checked off the list? He's great at road courses. I don't see why he couldn't. I've, I know he's been able to go out there and test a little bit, Jeff, and I think he's had a little maybe off-track excursions there, but I don't see why he couldn't win. Jeff, last Huge word? Huge unknown going into that race, but... How do you not pick Kyle Busch going into any race? Yeah, he'd be on my list of people I think could win for sure. An incredible weekend of motorsports and a special night for Kyle Busch as he checks another track off the list. Get ready for some playoff hockey. It is coming your way right now. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.